Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express, where we return to the investigators in Lausanne. And so we have just wrapped up a wonderful meeting with uh, Simon and with uh, Paul and a bit of discussion of suitcases and machine guns. And now the investigators themselves are going to move out from there and they're going to go back out into the streets of Lausanne to perhaps continue uh, their investigation into Edgar Wellington. But first, we need to get to introductions. So to my right. I'm Mike and I'm playing James Robert Fraser, uh, who has been uh, just about managing to persuade Paul Poor Paul, that we are not a group of dangerous lunatics. We are a group of dangerous lunatics. (laughs) To his right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm trying to keep people from bringing a gun to a scroll fight. Mm, An admirable duty, for sure. Uh, So we are in the missing Simon formation. So to Lady Elizabeth's right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I'm playing Maggie Bellinger, and um, this gun scroll fight, I think I'm bringing an arm to. You are indeed. Um, A very strange arm. Yeah. But more on that later. And then last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. At least Richard has a clean pair of trousers this week. That's an excellent point. You are cleaned, uh, at least for now. We'll, We'll see how that goes, though. So the streets of Lausanne this uh, afternoon are a bit busier than you left them a few hours ago. Uh, The shops are popping with people and uh, the workforce is coming in from a hard day. And uh, even some of the children who are now uh, getting home from school are filling the streets of this beautiful town. And it is rather striking going from the hotel, which is nearer Lake Geneva, and then heading back up the hill towards Wellington's taxidermy shop. It's difficult, Mr. Fraser, to not occasionally stop and turn around and just kind of view the, the mountains, how they wrap around Lake Geneva at this portion and get a sense that this place is something special for, for your memories. Or, or maybe it's that, or maybe it's you're double checking to see if there are any fezzed gentlemen walking your path with you. Hard to yeah. tell. Yes, um, um, Fraser's very much uh, on the alert after the events of the day. He's a little on edge, a little on edge, despite the fact that he's now had a chance to uh, clean himself up and get changed and regain some semblance of, of uh, normality. But uh, yeah, yeah, definite sense of unease in Lausanne. Indeed. And... Uh... 
Professor, you're sans suitcase as it's been left with Simon. So you're probably feeling a little a bit outdoors, a bit almost naked without the protection in the form of Simon, who's been there uh, unfailingly for the past several weeks. And now you're probably kind of huddling in closer to your fellow compatriots. Just maybe it's the wind. It is a little bit crisp still here. Or maybe it's that you're a little bit pared down uh, from your normal list of equipment. It's quite an interesting one for Richard. He keeps sort of looking down at his right hand. Um, he's, he's got nothing in his hands at the minute. He's pretty much been used to clinging on to this briefcase for the last sort of oh, two, two or three weeks. And, and he's, yeah, he does. It's, it just feels odd without it. He he keeps looking behind him to, to, to remind himself that he's not put it down. He's left it with Simon in the hotel. You probably fish into your pocket uh, after a moment. You find a pair of dice kind of welcome you a bit back to your hmm. common fidget. Yes, you can't roll them, but at least they're there. All right. Uh, so I guess the question I would have then is, and this is just my perception of it, but between you, Lady Elizabeth, or you, uh, Maggie, which one of you is leading the charge back to the taxidermy shop? 100% Maggie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I concur with that statement. <laughs> Very well. Yes. Those of you not from the United States, which is the rest of you, I probably can feel the raw American coming off of her, almost like a wake. Maggie walks with a purpose. That's right. Uh, but Wellington's shop is exactly where you left it before. Uh, so it hasn't, uh, hasn't left you by any means. No one's absconded with it. No, no. But yeah, it's probably a, it's probably several hours before your scheduled meeting at the seven thirty club. You're probably into what we would say is probably roughly about five o'clock or so. And uh, as you approach, you notice that all the windows are dark. Well, I don't I don't know if that would particularly shock me, as uh, Mr. Wellington may be busy caring for his brother or uh, you know, I'm not, not entirely sure did um, we have occasion to notice uh, the opening hours of the shop when we were last there would there have been a sign on the door perhaps Fraser would remember that there was a sign on the door but uh, you don't remember whether it had hours or if it just had opened or closed mm, because I'm thinking if it's around half past five in the afternoon it's quite likely that the, that's the shop closed up for the day hmm well, he does live there as well, so regardless of whether or not the shop is closed, he should be around. Mm. Yeah, there would be lights on upstairs, wouldn't there? Yeah, you're seeing that numerous passers-by. So again, the, the sidewalks here are a little busy. Not terribly so, because Lausanne is not a very large city, but it's quite a bit of uh, school children chatter. But, uh, but there is a sign at the front door here on that lower level, uh, Maggie, you see. And it does appear that that sign says closed. Oh. Well, maybe I'll, I'll still knock just to see if, you know, the shop is closed, but maybe he will come down and open the door. Okay. You go up to the door and knock. Thinking of momentarily anyway, what lays beyond this front shop door, which is a bunch of taxidermy animals that somehow... Strangely enough, all seem to stare at the front door area. They're simply pointed. 
to um, welcome you into the shop, as it were. You don't get any response from a swift and you know, steadfast American door knock. Hmm. Um, I might be able to um, help with the lock again. Uh, what do you think? Um, well, I, I feel bad breaking in twice. <laughs> In, in one day, but I, I certainly hope nothing uh, ill hasn't befallen Mr. Wellington, um, especially from the Duke. Is there a rear entrance to the uh, establishment, perhaps directly into the house itself? Well, I suppose we could check. Yes, it might be a little more discreet as well. So you're going to maybe walk around the structure and see if there's a alley or back entrance? Hmm, that's, yeah, that's the idea, yeah. Okay. So it's not too difficult to find, but there, even the, the close nature of these buildings in Lausanne, there is an alley. It's maybe yeah, maybe a couple of meters wide, no more. But you are able to get down the alleyway there, um, get past a few refuse bins, and then you get to a different section of the building than the front. Um, not exactly the rear, per se, but close enough. And there is a door there. And this gives you cover from 90% of what goes on on the street. Now, the four of you are now down a fairly dim alley in Lausanne. So it would be maybe a bit strange if you were a nearby shop owner accessing the same alley, wondering what four people are standing about there. But you definitely get good cover from the rest of the populace in this somewhat commercial district. Well, I'll maybe continue down the alley a, a little way and... Uh smoke a pipe as if I'm just a gentleman taking the air of an evening alright I just want to double check to make sure no one's inside could I I want to knock on the back door then again just to, to make sure he maybe didn't hear the front door or maybe this is the main house entrance yeah sure you give a swift knock maybe not as loud but a good rap and um, you wait you feel your maybe your blood pressure and heart rate rise a little Seconds tick by and nothing comes of it. Um, a little assistance then? Should we, um, try the door? I suppose so. So, Richard will get down and have a look at the lock and hope that it's a bit easier than the last one. Fair enough. Oh, it's a 37, so no, that's a fail. He's got 20. Okay, you could um, could push that roll if you'd like. I think that's a really good idea. I mean, there's nobody there, is not there? At all. And um, you know, why why not have another go? He's gonna maybe find something in the alley, maybe uh, a stick or a piece of metal that someone's discarded, and uh, maybe that'll be useful. Oh, uh, look here. There's a um, looks like there's a a long uh, iron filing here. You might be able to use. Hmm. Ah. Yes, I, I, I couldn't quite get the talk on that. I think I think this would be um, yes, very useful. Uh, nope. That's a 59. Wonderful. You mash the filing in. Unfortunately, this uh, seems to be a little softer of a metal than you were hoping for. And with the tools that you have, you bork the lock pretty hard. And you take a moment there, having done something terrible to the insides of this tumbler set and you know 
well, um, that's that's not coming back out. At least not without maybe a torch and a pair of pliers, neither of which you have. You won't be able to unlock this door. Either somebody kicks the door in or you, you break the glass at this point. This door has uh, four panes of glass, though. Oh, this is not no, not good at all. Um, if, if Swiss locks, French library filing systems, this is a... I don't know. Um, Mr. Fraser, do you think you can... Uh, your shoulder? I'm probably a, a, a little further up the alley on my own, keeping an eye out the road. Mr. Fraser, your shoulder door. My shoulder door? Did you not manage to force the lock? No, it's one of these Swiss ones. I think they, they make them slightly differently. Um, Give me your jacket. Uh, yes. My jacket? Yes. You... Basically, roll his jacket up around my hand and smack the uh, the glass on one of the panels so that I don't cut myself or and it deadens the sound a little bit. Yeah, I won't make you roll for it. Uh, the intent is pretty clear, and the glass is just glass. It's probably not the um, I mean, not the first time Mister Fraser's had to do something akin to this, if maybe for a stuck door at a shed or something like that. There's more than one way to skin a cat. So there's a slight glass break, although it is somewhat muffled by the jacket. And with a simple clearing with the uh, piece of textile there, you uh, can clear the glass out. I'll hand Richard back his jacket. Thank you very much, Professor. Reach in and see if I can open the door from the inside. If he hasn't completely knackered it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You have to wrench on the locking bolt with a good bit of force to get it open. Mm-hmm. You're not sure what he did to it, but uh, he's he definitely messed it up. Not so much that you can't get the door open, but you, you definitely have to put pressure on it to get it to, to come cleared. Dear, you've made a right pig's ear of this, Professor Courtney. Here we are. Right. Shall we? Uh, yes. After you. So the door opens in, and you are basically ground zero in a workroom. As a taxidermy shop, the workroom is where all the messy business happens. And if you thought before, Maggie, that some of these smells that came from the front room in that somewhat uh, covered curtain, warmer showroom were bad, yeah, this room is something far, far different. Maggie would probably yeah put a hand up to her mouth. Oh, Uh, It didn't smell this bad up front. Inside here, just those of you looking in or even stepping in, you see that there's a great carcass that has been placed on the working table. It's a massive elk or deer or something. It's dark in here, so it's difficult specifically to make out the direct type of animal at the moment. It's got horns, whatever it is. How dreadful. Perhaps we should make our way up upstairs. I'll hold a handkerchief in, in front of my nose and mouth, mask the smell a little bit. The work here is fairly fresh. The entrails and stuff like that have been cut out and taken care of, but there's quite a bit that still sits on the floor. It almost seems like it's in the middle of being worked on. I also want to make sure that the door's um, securely closed after us again. Okay. I 
Um, I know I, I mentioned before that Mr. Wellington has a brother. Um, I don't believe that he leaves the house, so he is likely here. Uh, Lady Elizabeth, give me a spot roll. Okay. As I'm holding up a handkerchief to my mouth and nose and looking around distastefully. Mm. 22. That is a hard success. Something about the face of that animal that you're compelled to investigate. You feel something inside you need to know what the animal looks like. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just gonna hold the handkerchief a little bit closer, uh, gingerly hold up the hem of my, my skirt with the other hand <laughs> and uh, and move over towards it. You begin carefully moving and stepping between the pools of uh, blood and liquids that likely came out of this animal to dance around and get to the front of the beast. Its face is set, uh, staring up at the ceiling. Its eyes likely wavered between the wall and the ceiling as it let loose that final breath. The face of this deer, you can now confirm that it's a deer, is so familiar. You're not sure if it's an animal you saw perhaps taxidermied for your father, maybe one of his studies, but there's something about the face of it, the horns. It reminds you, no, not of your father, Paris, the library, the scroll. These horns are an exact match to the figure on the scroll. I'm gonna dig into my bag quick to pull out the paper, look at the, the horns on the animal, and then look back at the at the paper. Eyes kind of light up above the square of handkerchief. It's very dim in here too, so it's difficult to see because there's no lights on in the building at the moment. Your ladyship, are you quite alright? This, this, uh, this, um, deer, it, it matches something I found in the library. It's very strange. Would you like a little more light? I'll get out my box of matches. Yes, lighting the matches down here in the dark where there's probably a murderer around. Never couldn't go wrong. You strike a match, Mr. Fraser? Absolutely. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very fanciful imagination, your leadership. You strike the match and it gives a blossom of illumination to the area which unsurprisingly, Maggie, you wish you did not have. Because now all of the lights and the amber and red coloring gets to spill out over everything. And the corpse of this deer looks like it was gutted not by a workman's blade, but by something else. It almost appears as if some sort of heavy blade or instrument was used to gut it open. It's not even taxidermable, most likely, Mr. Fraser. Dear God. Unless they cut it all down to the head, there's no way they could build a scenery, a diorama with this animal because most of the carcass has been ruined. What have they done to the poor beast? Disgusting. What's this? This is very unusual. I don't like the look of this at all. Is it possible to try and work out whether this thing is a local deer or whether it's an English deer? 
That's an excellent question. That'd be a natural world roll. Okay. Oh. This may not be as bad as we think it could be. Ah, that's a hard success. That's 11 under 40. Oh, yeah. This is clearly an English deer. Um, well, this is most unusual. This appears to be from England. I, how did it get here? From from England, you say? How, how can you tell? It's an English deer. I, I mean, I I grew up in the the, the country. I'm I'm used to these beasts. It's familiar to me. There's only so much time on that match, Mister Fraser. You have to either find a candle or find a light. Hmm. Yeah. I'll just I'll just uh, shake it out, and uh, as it burns down towards my fingers. I'm not sure we need to spend any more time in here. Just a little strange, but I know some of the nobility in various places will import animals for their parks and lands, uh, either for hunting or for decoration. Father had a few of those on the grounds, if you remember, Mr. Fraser. Brought in some uh, something from France. I don't even remember what. He was very proud of it. I Mother let off a fit. Aye, but this isn't. This is. This is different. This. This thing's been gutted. Yes, perhaps our friend the Duke might have imported something. But surely you'd have had it stuffed and then bought over. Aye, or or at least have it in some condition where it could be stuffed. This, this thing's a mess, for want of a better word. Unless you wanted to sacrifice it. But um, I'm sorry. Sacrifice. Yes. What do you mean, sacrifice? Well, it's obvious that the Duke is into some sort of occult practices. You told me as much yourself after speaking to him and to your friend, Miss Bellinger. And uh, many occult rituals involve animal sacrifice. Sometimes human sacrifice, so that's not as common anymore, as far as I'm aware. But uh, animals for certain. But in a taxidermist shop? I mean... Yes, that is, it is quite strange that it would end up here in Mr. Wellington's shop. Unless they were attempting some sort of spell in here, in which case they would need to kill it in here, make it a place of power. Is there any other evidence of, of that going on? Can you can you see anything that would line up with that? I'm not a ghost whisperer, Professor. Well, I mean, doesn't appear to be a... Well, do they not need to, to chalk marks on the floor yes. and have black candles and inverted crucifixes and all that nonsense? That's just what the church tells you, Mr. Fraser. Most occult practices don't involve such things. Far too ostentatious, for one thing. And for another thing, it's quite cumbersome carrying all those things around, so... I'll have no truck with it, whatever it is. There could be some symbols. It could just be they needed to kill the thing and take the innards or the blood or something. Perhaps we should keep going and see if there's any other places that might have been affected but I can't see any reason for this slaughter uh, other than perhaps some sort of some sort of ritual, although I hope I'm wrong. I couldn't agree more. Whatever it is, I think we've probably spent too long talking about it in here. No, we should move on through the house. Yes, it seems to be a common trend with us. So the workroom is about six yards or so wide, give or take, and it's about three yards or so deep. As you pass around the workroom in this large table... With the aforementioned animal, there is a door not too far down the way there that will lead to what you're fairly certain is the staircase to go upstairs. Maggie, you had been to the shop front and into that area, so you would think, well, the house is only so on, so beyond that door has got to be the staircase that goes up. 
yes, I believe the living quarters is is this way. If if that's where we're headed, um, be sure to to watch out for Mister Wellington's brother, and for blood, and for blood. Don't give me that look, Mister Fraser. I'm just saying. I don't believe I was giving you any look at all, your ladyship. <clears throat> uh, would it uh, be within the realm of possibility for me to have brought my service revolver along with me? Absolutely. I would imagine, given the day's events, especially at the National Museum and Library, I think it'd be likely, especially with leaving Simon and the aforementioned mm. machine gun back at the hotel, um, you would likely have taken your service revolver just in case. Splendid. In that case, I shall uh, have it out and to hand. All right. We shall note that if there are any initiative rolls. And so uh, you open the door that goes to storefront, Miss Bellinger? Uh, yes. Okay. You see the aforementioned stairway right where you left it. You can see directly across from you, there's a door which you know leads to the storefront. And if you just take a quick left up the stairs, you'll be in the apartment section. Everything here so far in this stairway area and in the hallway that encompasses the lower portion seems to be just as you'd left it before. Mm. Maggie would probably call out for Mr. Wellington another time or two just to see if we hear any uh, gasping breaths or uh, screams to make sure nothing has befallen him. Also as a cover in case he comes back that we were worried about him. If Mr. Fraser sees Maggie about to call out for him, he will put his hand on her shoulder. Miss Ballinger, I think for the time being, we should uh, be cautious. If there is something going on here that, uh, as a ladyship says, uh, involves some sort of occult practices or, or something, we may not wish to announce our presence. But what if Mr. Wellington is in danger? Well, if there are uh, parties uh, here that are causing him harm, even as we speak, and you wish to announce our presence to them, then be my guest. But uh, I would advise that that might not be the most cautious approach. Uh, I, I, under, I understand what you're saying, Mr. Fraser. For the time being, I will remain quieter. If you would like to stay here for the moment, uh, I will move up the stairs as quietly as I can. I will listen to see if I can hear any signs of a struggle or harm coming to uh, the gentleman whose shop this is. If I do not hear anything, I will uh, let you know. If I do hear something, well, you will probably know anyway. <laughs> so, Mr. Fraser, you're going upstairs? I am. And this is where I'm going to uh, call upon my, my training and experience that I haven't had to uh, put into practice for a number of years now. Yeah. And yeah, go up as uh, silently, cautiously, and alertly, alertly, um, as I possibly can. Alrighty. I've invented a new word, everybody. Alertly. You creep up the stairs. Is your intention to be perhaps a bit stealthy then? It is absolutely to be very stealthy. Let's be clear about the role then. Yes. Okie dokie, here we go. And that is an 18 and a 69, which, um, that's a hard success at least. Yeah. Nice. Just remember my sums, my multiplication by five. I should have paid more attention at school. Uh, nevertheless, the man you knew, Lady Elizabeth, as James Robert Fraser, begins to utilize his best housekeeping shoes. And he creeps very carefully up the staircase. I'm listening as I go as well, sir. Yeah, you probably make it four or five stairs until you pause for a moment, take in the house, listen for the wind movements or maybe any kind of 
floorboard creaks. You don't hear anything, so you continue up a couple of other steps. And slowly and methodically, you reach the top of the staircase. Maggie, this is taking forever. Of course it is, yeah. Still pistol in hand, ready. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the stairs, it doesn't take you more than a few moments to realize that if there was an apple cart up here, it has been upset somewhat badly. Do I hear anything if I'm listening as I go? It is not your ears that are pricked first. It is your eyes. Dishes lay scattered through an open doorway, maybe two or three meters in front of you. Looks like there's a cup and saucer that are cracked along the floorboards here. It's very dark up here. All the the windows shades are shuttered, and so you are doing your best to draw on whatever light you possibly can with your eyes, but there seemingly there just isn't enough light up here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even in that dimness, you are hit with a coppery smell in the air. Blood. I'm going to move on through quickly and quietly to try and locate the source of the smell. So your options are left, straight ahead, and then right, depending upon where you'd like to go. If I take a moment um, and try and see if I can sense which which direction the smell is coming from, would that be a spot hidden? If you want to stay put and sense where it's at rather than just seek it out, either way. Yeah, I don't want to be stumbling about too much. If if you know if I can just take a moment, it might save me time in the long run. And that's a hard success on my spot hidden. Thirty five under seventy eight. It's definitely to your left. Then that. That is the way I will move. So there's a doorway there, probably just half meter or so off of the main stairway. You can see that it's just cracked open slightly. What draws your attention to it eventually as you get closer is that there is a boot that seems to be keeping the door open. Okay. I'm going to move quickly. As soon as I reach the body, I will make sure that there is nobody around before I reholster my gun and then I will crouch down and uh, check for a pulse. When you open the door a little bit into this room, you get the clarity enough to holster your gun. While you realize that there are bodies, plural, in this room, neither of them are moving. The man who lays face down on the floorboards here has been slashed rather wickedly, likely five or six times, long, heavy slashes on the back, and then a few direct puncture wounds through. Your uh, best guess would be likely some type of trench knife having done this. There is also a body laying in the bed just beyond that on its back staring up at the ceiling. There's a scene there that there's things on the bed table and stuff like that but your mind is still trying to trace down everything that's happened. You you haven't yet had a chance to really investigate. Okay, so I'm basically going to um, check for a pulse very quickly on, on both mm-hmm. and then I'm going to move on to the other areas, give them a quick scout around uh, cautiously um, with my gun back out again make sure there's nobody else in the apartments and then I'll call the others up Do you reach your hands up to get a pulse? Are you going for the neck or for the wrist on the body on the floor? I would say I'll go for the neck You reach up and you feel the, try to feel for the pulse in your neck. When you do that uh, on this body's neck you feel a major hole in the back of this person. 
as if there's a chunk of flesh missing from its back. A big piece. Probably the size of your fist. God. I'm assuming there's no pulse then. No, sir. Uh, so the people down at the bottom of the stairs, are you patiently waiting for Mr. Fraser to call you up? Maggie is being quiet as requested, except for the loudest sighs. <laughs> <laughs> I will alert anyone to my presence with my loud sighs. I'm waiting patiently because I don't want Mr. Fraser to be grumpy with me for rushing into things when he told me not to. Or shoot you as you come up the stairs. <laughs> or that. Yes, there's that. He's the security expert, so I'm going to, to wait in this situation because all the blood everywhere is very disturbing. Sure. And then, uh, Professor Courtney, are you continuing to, to stay at the bottom of the stairs with your uh, two fellow compatriots waiting for the all clear from Mr. Fraser? Yeah, I don't think Richard's in a hurry to sort of run up the stairs and see what's going on, so... Just as you're uh, continuing to check around this bedroom... I, I'm not doing any checks other than pulse pulse on the body on the floor, pulse on the body on the bed, and then just checking to the, the rest of the apartment just to make sure that it's safe. Pulse on the bed, you're fairly certain, is non-existent. Give me a first aid roll. Yep. Um, it is unavoidable when you check the pulse on the body on the bed to notice that there is a bit of surgical tubing, there is a needle and a spoon nearby. Oh, brilliant. First aid, first aid. Here we go. Oh, I have uh, failed that. I do not want to uh, spend the luck on it. Not a huge amount of luck. Um, so I'll try and push the roll for the first sure. aid. If I'm not getting a pulse on the neck, then I will put my head to the to the chest and listen to, for a heartbeat, and also put my fingers on the on the wrist as well. And in that way, I will push the roll. Right. Yes, and I succeeded. 25 under uh, 42. You're fairly certain he's dead. A terrible way to go. <sighs> that kit beside the bed, you recognize immediately as a morphine kit. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'm assuming that I can't see in the, with the levels of light I've got in here who is who in here. Um, but if I can tell that there's nobody else in the room, I will very quickly move through the apartment, checking the other rooms, um, uh, just basically opening the door and scanning and opening the next door and scanning and uh, with my gun at the ready in case there is somebody there. It's definitely not a very large place. So those of you downstairs here, footsteps begin to move about the space. And what you find essentially, Mr. Fraser, is the kitchen area has been smashed apart. It looks like Whatever started with the man who's laying face down in the bedroom likely started here, uh, at least you think, and moved to the bedroom at some point. But the rest of the house has another bedroom. There's a loo and there's a kitchen. That's it. But there's a bunch of smashed dishes. It looks like there was a ferocious fight up here at some point. Okay. In that case, uh, I will um, go to the top of the stairs and say... It's safe. You can come up. But be warned. There's two dead bodies up here. Goodness gracious. I think we should uh, call the uh, the gendarme or whatever they have here. 
Tell them we broke in and tell found them. bodies. Aye, tell them we were concerned, worried, worried about the, the, the man. and We can't just leave them here. Who, who are they? Are they uh, I don't know yet. There's, no, there's not enough light up here. I haven't turned a light on. But, 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 but what about the scroll? I mean, if, if, if we call the police, then there's, they'll, they'll tape it off. We'll, we'll never be able to get in. There's two dead bodies up here, Professor Courtney. Two men who were alive and are now dead. And you're saying we should do nothing about that. We need to inform well, the authorities. There's there's nothing wrong with having a, a, a quick search to see what we can find. And, and, and maybe then we can uh, leave and make sure that we've um, have re- removed our traces and then um, and then call them from a, a payphone or something. How is it going to look when we've just broken in and now we've found two dead I men? I don't care how it looks. There are two dead men here. That is more important. Well, uh, well uh, first, uh, let me come up and... Perhaps I can identify... You're, you're acting like a housebreaker here. Well, we are. How? Perhaps I can identify who they are. I've I've met Mr. Wellington and his brother and well, the Duke. Well, I definitely and... that's almost certainly who they are. One of them has died from, clearly died from, well, I say died from a morphine overdose, but uh, one of them in the bed has... Uh, I couldn't find any uh, or see see or feel any signs of, uh, of injury on, on the man in the bed, could I? I mean, we, you didn't spend a ton of time looking, no, but no, it, it was fairly self-evident, it, it, at least in your eyes. Uh, you've seen gentlemen post-war use morphine as a deadening thing, and, and you probably, unfortunately, had learned about some former soldiers using too much of it and what happens. So, uh, Are the rest of your group coming up? Uh, yep. All right. Um, is anyone turning a light on, or did someone bring a torch? Well, I haven't specifically stated that I'm bringing a, um, a torch, so uh, if you want me to make a luck roll to have thought I of it before no leaving here, then I'm happy to go for that, but I'm also happy just to have my box of matches. Or perhaps we could just do um, a group luck roll, because group luck rolls are the best. Yeah, let's do that. So who has the lowest luck? Well, I've got a luck of 47. Um, that's not me. That's lower than yeah. mine. Yeah, that's lower than mine. <laughs> so be it, Mr. Fraser. It's on you. And uh, you'll note that uh, that I didn't spend any luck a few minutes ago when <laughs> I was making my first thing. Yeah. Um, that's a hard success, 21 under 47. Not only did you remember to scuttle away a torch, uh, as you're picking it out, um, you see that there's a light switch on the wall as well, so you could have both if you like. Um, I'm going to uh, advise caution if we're not wanting to alert people to our presence we possibly shouldn't turn the light on it is entirely possible that whoever is responsible for this is still watching the house they see a light coming on we can shade a torch so we can see what we need to see without alright I do realise Miss Bellinger that I'm sounding more like a housebreaker than anybody else at the moment uh, I do appreciate what you're saying there Mr Courtney we could indeed make an anonymous telephone call Perhaps uh, that we heard sounds of, uh, of a struggle or something within the house, and uh, we think that the proprietor may have come to harm. Once we have uh, established uh, a safe distance for ourselves. Well, I mean, if, if as you say, they are dead, then um, no further harm can befall them. Another half an hour, or however long uh, long it takes to, to, to find this scroll. Um... I very much doubt we're going to find the scroll here. So then, my question is: is are you investigating? <laughs> I, 
Well, we yes. are investigators, so... <laughs> it's what we do. Um, so, for those of you investigating inside the room, um, I guess I would fall to Maggie first because she's had most of the contact here. With the aid of a, of Mr. Fraser's torch, even the, the cloaked light of it, it's fairly quick to see that both William and Edgar have fallen here. Mm-hmm. William is face down on the floorboards. His <clears throat> body has been racked with some very vicious injuries. Mm-hmm. So once that light falls on the corpse, it is an absolute sanity roll from anybody who doesn't have veteran status or doesn't have something like hard-boiled or <laughs> something like that. Hardened. Yeah. 17, that's a success. Okay. So when you say veteran... Um, status uh, would you yeah, you're a war veteran I'm not yeah. going to ask Mr. Fraser to make a stand roll okay. for it you've seen the dead even um, you know, you've seen them at war it's pointless to, to try to shock you with the dead body mm. um, I'm, I'm wondering about this hole in his back as well mm. yes well one moment on that mm-hmm. yes uh, professor uh, so Richard rolled an 84 that's awesome mm. I'm so glad to hear that I rolled a 90 so <laughs> I win waiting for that. I win Martin you did. <laughs> uh, so, Professor, please lose three sanity for me. And you can thank Rena because she bought me these dice. And. Oh, <laughs> don't go blaming me. Bellinger. Yeah. Uh, why don't you lose six sanity for me? Ooh, we have to yes. max the meter out. And then you're going to make me an intelligence roll. Okay. Oh, here we go. Oh, look. I rolled a 70 against 70. Oh, so you passed. So I passed. <laughs> Well, congratulations. Barely. Indeed. Indeed. All right, then. Um, So we'll deal with the professor first. So, Richard, you unfortunately have a long and somewhat storied history in this game of finding dead bodies. But you didn't find this one. This wasn't your fault, clearly. I mean, he's just come to some awful end. But those slash wounds are pretty horrific. And it looks like whoever whoever did the man in also ripped out a chunk of his back. Must be oh, it must be the size of an apple. Just ripped the flesh and the muscle right out of his back. As if they'd scooped it out with a with a serving spoon. Maybe one that has serrated edges somehow. It's really gross. You get a little green, uh, just for a moment, uh, seeing it. Uh, oh, that's... Really, really gross. You are able to continue to work, but maybe, uh, maybe it'd be better if you went and looked at the uh, the, the the gentleman there uh, at the bed. There seems to be some sort of medical kit or um, or something there, something to take your mind off of whatever befallen this person. I I think Richard will probably sort of look at the body and um, take his breath and uh, yeah. Just try and steady himself, and I think he's definitely going to go somewhere else. But the, the the sight of this this patch of skin, you said, flesh missing from his back? It's, it's definitely both flesh and skin. So the, right. the layers of skin have been taken, but there is also a pulp of muscle and sinew that has been taken as well. So Richard's going to kind of... I, I guess that's it's going to look like someone's kind of excavated something. So um, Richard will say... Ugh. Look, Maggie, that's like the body in the library, was it? Is is that what that looked like? Uh, 
Uh, Maggie's. I think Maggie would be kind of speechless having flashbacks between the two <laughs> bodies now. Um, I'm going to say, if you don't mind, Maggie, I'm going to say that you're not able to answer that question at the moment because you're somewhere else. Oh, okay. Perfect. Just where I wanted to be. Right. Mentally, you're somewhere else. I'm going to take a slightly closer look at the injury to the man's back, just to see how deep it is and uh, if I can figure out what's made it. So you look at it. You wouldn't be surprised if there was a taxidermy tool somewhere around here that offered such a scooping motion. It's really, really something... Something used to remove the intestines and the vital organs, perhaps. Has it is not cut through the, the the ribs at the back, has it? It has not. Uh, in fact, it's higher on the back, as it were. Oh, it's right. actually more between the shoulder blade and the spine. Oh, right. Okay. And it's so deep that it has exposed part of the spinal, like the spinal column. Well, I'll take my gloves out of my pocket, put them on. Mm. Be very careful not to touch anything. By the way, have a little prod. While this is going on, can I put my going out gloves back on and have a look around the room itself yes oh yeah go right ahead okay so spot hidden mm-hmm. on new dice 14 not okay. quite an extreme I don't think no, check. not quite not quite but still so if you're checking around the room are you doing any checking on Edgar itself as well if I can, since I passed by Sanrol. Okay. Very gingerly. You pass by the bed, at least on one section, and just his body seems in a very strange state. The body's totally relaxed. You're likely thinking from the morphine. And you and the professor are examining that area, mostly to be away from whatever terrifying thing happened to William. But there are two fresh needle marks on his left arm. And it's that really when you realize that there are seven, eight, nine additional marks on his arm previous that have healed. Professor, do you notice he's got more needle marks here? So it's not the uh, first time. Morphine was definitely his, or at least he was used to taking it. Yes heard of this most most unpleasant is there any sign of the I mean presumably if he's shot himself up in the arm with this morphine there should be um, like a little bottle around or some other paraphernalia or is that missing no it is not missing actually okay uh, so you can see here next to the bedside with this kit there is also a, a bottle a spoon, that sort of thing. And is there any way... I mean, I'm not really a forensic specialist, so I have no idea, but is there any way that we can tell whether it was likely that he injected this or whether someone else did it to make it look like he's injected himself and given himself an overdose? Oh, man, that's hard to say, even from what you know. I mean, the morphine bottle itself is empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then below that, where the syringe has fallen on the floor, the syringe is empty too. And so it's a little difficult to ascertain whether or not he gave it to himself. Yep. Well, 
Well, do you really think that a man that was about to come in as, to as much money as he was going to would kill himself and his brother? Maggie's um, speaking quite reasonably and rationally then, is she? Which is different from Maggie, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no reason to suspect she's had an adverse reaction to seeing the body then. That's all right. Clearly this place, clearly this is a case of cold-blooded murder. Hang on a minute. Um, one other thing we're missing. Um, that looks like some sort of drug overdose. I don't pretend to understand why or how he's done it, but where on earth is that other poor fellow's back? Well, I'm. Is there any evidence of that, Professor Courtney? It looks rather like um, somebody has 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 had at. Uh, which of the brothers is is this on the floor? Is this William or Edgar? That's William, of course. That's William on the floor, and that's it. You have to flip him over to be sure, probably. Perhaps, perhaps, uh, I mean, uh, clearly there has been a a struggle, a fight of some kind here. Perhaps they had a a violent argument. Uh, Edgar lost his temper, uh, attacked William with one of his um, taxidermy tools, and then in a fit of remorse has uh, injected himself with morphine. Yes, Clearly, that's the most reasonable explanation when he's missing a chunk of flesh and we have a flayed deer in the basement from England. But then where is the flesh from his back? Well, let's have a wee look around. But no, clearly this was a murder-suicide. Well, that is how it would appear, Miss Ballinger. Yes, indeed, I think you're possibly right. That's just what they want you to think. I'm sorry? What? Who wants... Troll is gone, and now he won't have to pay for it. There's no reason for him to murder his brother and then kill himself. I'm not quite sure I follow. I'm going to have a look around and see if I can see a, a chunk of flesh that's been, and possibly the weapon that did, did the harm to William. There's something underneath the body on the floor. Have a wee look. Um, you're going to have to lift up the body a little bit to get under it. Yeah, that's all right. Is he is is he a large man? Is he heavy or? No, 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 not a large man at all. He's probably um, just probably under five ten. He's an average sized gentleman uh, of this era. Uh, when you pull the body over, you and he stinks. Am I right in thinking that he stinks? No, actually, not just yet. I'm going to take a, a very careful note of exactly how he's lying. Um, exactly how he was when we found him. Um, and uh, and I'm going to lift him slightly and, and roll him to see if I can see what's underneath him. So you lift him, and uh, when you do, uh, you catch sight of something else. Uh, two things, actually. The first is a very large butcher's knife. Or, to get clarity, maybe I would say a chef's knife, because that's probably the, the likelihood of it. Uh, it is thick. It is likely very sharp, and it is coated with a ton of blood. You also notice that there are multiple stab wounds on his front and some very deep lacerations into his chest. Whoever went at him went at him viciously. And his face, his skin on his face has been terribly contorted. His eyes and uh, flesh uh, on his forehead have been pushed into this frozen visage. It's very disturbing. Good Lord. Would you like me to make a sanity roll, Mr. Diamond? I would. Just you, Mr. Fraser. Very well. That was sanity at the moment. 
Oh, I've got a very healthy 49 points of sanity. <laughs> of course you do. Zero four out of the park. There you go. Uh, I take one sanity from you. Right out. Just one. Right, I kind of have a wee start backwards. Good lord. Oh, what on earth? Lady Elizabeth, there are several items here on the desk that you uh, are able to get your uh, investigative fingers on. One of them appears to be a bottle. You saw the empty morphine bottle, but there is another green bottle that's beside it. Uh, It is still capped. You also see that there are papers that have been shoved into a small leather diary, which is also beside it. I'm going to look at the diary first because, of course, that's going to grab my attention more than a weird bottle. Sure, there's not a lot of light in here, and since uh, Mr. Fraser is moving around a bit, you're not really able to make out specifically what is on it. There's a receipt on the bedside as well. Oh, uh, Professor, you tap something at your feet, having backed away to give uh, Lady Elizabeth more room at the, uh, the table area. You feel something tap your foot underneath as it kind of passes by the bed. And then you hear, all of you hear, a very distinct rolling sound under the bed. Maybe a bit wooden. Ah, what what was that? And uh, Richard will get down and have a look. Something rolling that's wooden. Perhaps it's a rolling pin. Uh, Oh, it's on on the other side of the bed. But uh, but clearly, uh, Maggie, it's rolling directly towards you. Oh, yeah. Well, I just want to get it then. Whatever it is. Professor, you you look underneath the bed and you see it roll towards the other side and you watch the delicate digits of Margaret Bellinger clasp and pull it out. Ah. And it is a case. Good catch. Roughly tubular. Mm-hmm. See, it's capped in wood. Well, I believe we found what we've come here for, so we'll be on our way then. Um, it means maybe as well just to, to take the lid off and, and check that we have what we need. Oh, oh, uh, why certainly. And so Maggie will have the porcelain statue arm under one arm. And so she's like holding it with that arm and then she has this the tube in the other arm and she's trying to, to turn, the, sure. <laughs> turn the top with the, the statue arm under her arm. You've got, you know, the, you're, you're a bit jumbled up together and you, you begin opening and there's a, not a pop so much as there's a relief of pressure and you pull out what looks like a scroll. Is that um... Elaborately tied. Uh, it's sealed with uh, fresh red wax and there's a little symbol on it. Well, this, this checks out. It's quite unfortunate that uh, Mr. Wellington and his brother had to die for this or at least I'm assuming this is what they were after. Well, shall shall we see if it is what we think it is? Uh, Lady Elizabeth, this is uh, this is your uh, department, I believe. Do you want to have a, a, a wee quick look at uh, what uh, Miss Ballinger has there and see if it's what we think it is? I need your uh, torch over Of course, direction. yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I'll, I'll... Just so you're aware, Lady Elizabeth, the lighting here is terrible. Even the torchlight would be bad for it. Maggie was just thinking, the yes, uh, let's not do this in a well-lit room, then. <laughs> I think it may be as well, if we think we found what we're looking for, to uh, 
uh, put everything back as it was and, and, and leave. And then we can call the police or whatever you wanted to do, Mr. Fraser. Yes. Well, if, if it is not what we are looking for, then what are we going to do? Are we going to come back? I think we should ascertain whether or not it's what we're looking for before we leave the room. Before we leave the building, at least. We don't want to turn the lights on and have people see... No, well, I'll put it down here in the corner. I'll shine the torch directly onto it. There'll be plenty of light to, to see it, and the light won't spill out through the window. I'm not quite How many sure. Scrolls would a man have? Mr. Fraser, who previously wanted to call the police rather than search around the place, now is insisting that we stay here with the dead bodies and the scroll to have a little bit more of a look about before we call the police. Well, I, perhaps I, I've seen the error of my ways, Miss Belcher. All of you begin to notice she's acting a little strange. She's being very verbally forceful and uh, way less forgiving and way more direct. I'm Miss Bellinger. You sound positively European. I suppose I'll take that as a compliment, Lady Elizabeth. Shall we be on our way, then? Mr. Fraser, the torchlight, even at close uh, contact, is not going to be enough, I'm afraid. Oh, well. Well, if you're prepared to take the risk, then uh, no doubt it. I haven't found anything else in this room that even closely resembles a scroll other than this, so... Uh, either our friend the Duke uh, has taken it with him, I assume this is his handiwork, or this is what we're after. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Oh. Mr. Fraser, have you ever heard the statement, if it looks like a duck and acts like a duck, it's probably a duck? Uh, I have not, Miss Ballinger, but uh, I will retain it for future future. Well, the same sentiment can be applied to scrolls, sir. Ah, well, indeed, indeed, indeed. How, how exactly does a scroll act, Miss Bellinger? Tightly wound. Shall we be on our way, then? Ah, so that makes you a scroll, then. Very well. Assuming, of course, that there, there, there is only the, the one scroll in the house. I'm also going to shove that diary book with the papers and the receipt into my bag, and I'll hand the vial to the professor. Put this in your bag or something. Uh, yes, thank Oh, I don't have... I'll put it in my uh, pocket. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else we, we, we need to pilfer before we leave the apartment? Perhaps we should take the murder weapon with us. Mr. Fraser, you sound positively disappointed. Uh, can, we, can we go, please? I'm, I'm getting somewhat nervous here. Please, some, somebody is going to come around at some point and discover the, uh, the broken pane of glass in the window, and I, I, I think we've done what we need to do here now. Uh, much as I'm loath to admit it, I do agree with Professor Courtney. We should probably make ourselves scarce. Yes, let us depart henceforth and forthwith, etc., etc. All right, so you head back downstairs and you head out, I assume, the back door. Although you're welcome to go out the front if that's what you'd like. I would assume that you'd want a nice, calm, quiet exit back into the alleys of Lausanne before absconding away back to the hotel. Yes. Yes, I'll, I'll suggest that um, I cautiously check the uh, the alleyway just to make sure that there's nobody about before we all pile out of the house. All right, you do so. Um, no one is out in the alleyway as you uh, exit, and you're able to walk back into the regular flow of foot traffic on the streets before getting back to the hotel. So just before anyone does anything else... Um... I'm assuming we're probably going to go back up to, to our rooms or something like that. 
Yeah, Richard's aware of the fact that his jacket's just been used to break the glass of something where there's been two uh, murders and one of them quite badly mutilated. Um, so he's going to do the right thing and try and find somewhere to hide his jacket and the associated trousers um, so that if someone comes looking, they're not going to find these things. Before we reach the hotel, I, I want to find a public telephone if there's such a, such a thing exists. Um... Give me a luck roll. Oh, I'm not quite certain that Lausanne would have. And pref- preferably one not near the hotel. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. But one, one near to the um, uh, to the taxidermist shop. Yeah. Luck roll. Luck, 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 luck. Zero five. How does that strike you? Yeah, it strikes me well. Look, there's a, there's a phone. Well, I will hopefully um, know what number to dial for the police. Um, or I'll just dial the operator and ask to be put, put uh, through to the police. They put you through. Um, and say, um, I think there's been a, m- a murder. Do you have acting, sir? What do you think? <laughs> bon- bonjour. Oui? Je pense que c'est un mort, le taxidermist. C'est mort. Uh, 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 they begin asking a, a fluttering uh, series of questions. Just hang up. Very good. Those of you who are around see this and are um, maybe quite surprised at Mr. Mr. Fraser's um, ability to improvise. Lady E is trying hard not to laugh, despite all the grisly events of the, of the evening. Uh, this is just this is just too too absurd. Okay, and he'll come and sort of <laughs> rather rather flustered. Say, oh, I don't, I, 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 hopefully, I, I got the message across. Uh, that didn't go quite as I was expecting it to, but uh... yeah, you surprise even yourself a bit, perhaps. It isn't, but maybe. Uh... A few minutes later, when you know, there are coming from lower uh, Lausanne up the street towards the, you know, in the direction of the taxidermy shop, just a couple of uh, policemen who are not running by any means, but they're walking fairly swiftly uh, up the row. And you can see that they're kind of scanning the houses and mumbling to one another. If I happen to pass by them, I'll just uh, evening, gentlemen, and carry on my way. They nod. They um, tip their hats to Lady Elizabeth and Maggie, as would be proper and right, and then continue on their way. The school children now, for the most part, have all gone home. The streets are thinning as far as the pe- people are probably likely at home having their dinners, except, of course, Edgar and William, who are um, indisposed at the moment. Dining in hell. I think likely Edgar, but maybe not William, but that's all something that we can figure out. Uh, so getting back to the hotel, you'd find after a very rough and um, adventurous day that Simon has taken his opportunity to perhaps rest. Spent a lot of suitcases of money and machine guns lately. And so uh, Mr. Griffith is resting. Paul is in the common room and uh, he seems to be um, just finishing up something to eat, and he seems to be having some wine. He stands up when you come in. 
Oh, uh, Lady Elizabeth, I apologize. We were, I got a little uh, hungry. Well, a man must eat, Paul. Don't worry about it. That's a very good idea, indeed. Perhaps a, a little some some supper. Would you like me to call the um, service and, and have them bring something up for you all? Yes, please, Paul. If you wouldn't mind, that would be wonderful. Of course. Uh, how um, how did it go at the taxidermy shop? It uh, didn't go as well as we were expecting, but uh, well, we're here. Yes. More dead bodies, I'm afraid, but... Uh, yes, perhaps we should speak about it uh, in private. Well, we are here in the common room. Oh. Paul uh, says that he'll alert the staff that you're all looking to have something to eat and uh, mm. and be back shortly. I want to have a look at this group. Yes, of course. First order of business. Yes. Okay. So... As I mentioned, it's elaborately tied. It's sealed with a relative fresh wax. Why don't you give me an array of either spot hidden, mm -hmm. history, or archaeology? <laughs> As if I have archaeology. You might. But I do have history. I have 1% in archaeology. So. <laughs> yes, I have 1% as well. So I will go with spot hidden... 56 under 59. Glad I went with spot hidden and not history. <laughs> Just looking at the outside of this, Lady Elizabeth, and looking mm -hmm. at the assumption of what you know of the simulacrum and the components that govern it or, or have tied to it so far, this scroll doesn't really look hundreds of years old. I mean, if it was made in supposedly hundreds of years ago, the scroll, which would accompany it to do whatever is this scroll is intended to do, should be aged that way. This is an aged scroll, but it's something that's been aged via a process, not via time. It's likely a fake. Well, my first appraisal is it's a forgery. So it's entirely possible that it was dropped off in place of the original when that unpleasant event occurred. And that was hoping to be a distraction. My question I have is, are you going to break the seal on it or not? Yes, of course. So you break it open. The scroll seems to be written in a language you're not necessarily familiar with. You're not even sure. Is it some form of Arabic, maybe? Yeah, you're a little lost on the writing here. Hmm. I can't read this. She looks the most disappointed she's been in a very long time. If it is a forgery, as you say, then yes. what it says perhaps is irrelevant. Well, it's hard to tell. It is old, but uh, not as old, I don't think. But then, who knows, it could have been preserved extremely well. And I'm not sure who would go through all the trouble of writing in this odd language, whatever it is. Well, maybe it says the same as the genuine article. A copy, maybe. Yes. Or perhaps it's just gibberish. Or perhaps, indeed. The question then, I suppose, is uh, where is the original? Is it something that, uh, due to its value, uh, perhaps the taxidermist had stashed away under a, a sugly floorboard or something? Well, there is a diary here. 
I, I must say, I think my first thought was um, maybe stuffed it in an animal, um, something that was um, sort of kept in the shop. Uh, well, perhaps it was taken, but uh, we let's have a look. Uh, I'm going to pull out the diary and have a flip through. Perhaps okay. this could tell us where he kept it if it was somewhere else. Yeah, the, the diary is a, a rather depressing stroll down the boulevard, which was Edgar Wellington's life. It chronicles mostly a ton of his daily pain from being somebody who fought in the war, who survived multiple trench warfare experiences with the Germans and then came home and instead of being able to start his life anew was somewhat saddled with the life of his brother to care for. It takes you about 30 minutes or so to read completely, but the gist of what you're getting is it feels like there's an incredible sadness that hung over Edgar. And it wasn't just sadness that these things had happened to his brother. It is clear that William was wounded in the war. And that he went through some very experimental brain surgeries. And even talks about the metal cap that was placed on the back of his head. And likely the concern that continued ailments happened because of it. But things pick up. They get a little interesting. And so you begin to get a listing of items that would correlate with some things that you're interested in. So with the diary you have, there are several dates that I think are prescient. If anyone would like to read them into the, um, well, into the historical log, I would appreciate it. I can read them if you like. The Diary of Edgar Wellington. Selected Entries. November 3rd, 1920. It would have suited our family better if we had died in the war. Dead heroes are far more convenient than the broken living. March the 5th, 1921. Now we are in Switzerland. Here we can live in peace. September 17th, 1921. The Duke's conversation is without peer. When I listen to him, I forget my own memories. November 10th, 1921. The books the Duke loaned me have opened my eyes. Perhaps that old Arabic scroll of mine holds mysteries as yet unknown. February 2nd, 1922. I have received the translation of Malon's scroll. I wonder if this... Sedefkar Simulacrum yet exists. June 25th, 1924. The trail ends in 1789. I have written to the owners of the Comte's house. I would go there, but I cannot leave William alone. October 3rd, 1924. The Duke has given me something for my insomnia. I slept deeply and had a most vivid dream of Lausanne in olden times. November 12th, 1924. Two nights ago, I held a brass button in my hand as I slept and set it down in Dream Lausanne. When I awoke, it was gone. 
The next night I fetched it back in my dream and woke with it clasped in my hand. January 1st, 1925. I hold no hope for this new year. My researches lead nowhere, and soon my habit will cost us our shop. Where will William live then? Final entry, January 5th, 1925. I fear I must sell the scroll. The Duke would be interested, but I need another bidder to drive the price against him. I have hidden it in Dream Lausanne for safekeeping. That is where I'm going to end the session. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll return to Lausanne next session. As always, we want to thank our Patreon backers for supporting the show. If you'd like to join in and join in all the extra fun, we look forward to stopping by patreon.com slash the old ways podcast. And again, thank you for your listening ears. Mm-hmm.